When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score Nordios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Hour two of Mackie and Judd with Rami, live from Kieran's Irish Pub, where Score North has been all afternoon long for Twins opening day. Find our Twins programming wherever you search for podca- podcasts. Just search Score North Twins, and uh, we're with you until 6 o'clock. Later this hour, our conversation with Twins president Dave St. Peter is coming up, but uh, I don't know about you guys. I think opening day should be a holiday, and I have I have some pretty... Pretty good opening day memories. Do you guys have like opening day memories that stand out for you? Yeah, I remember. You know, I would say Vance Worley's start okay. against the Orioles. Were you uh, there a few for years it? ago? <laughs> you know, Rami's trying to be serious. You, you ignored him last segment. Now, now you come back with Vanimal stories. The Vanimal. The Vanimal. I, I remember going to a Met Stadium in '79. Angels, Twins, bad Twins team, but it was like 80 degrees. April like third. It was. It was right. just just being. I think among the magical sports memories of a child who loves who loves different sports, opening day in baseball might be the most magical type of because it's just so it's so special. But it, what, or it feels so special. But you grew up with the Met Stadiums. So you grew up with outdoor. I think part of it in oh, the yeah. Twin Cities is it signifies the start of springtime too. So you're outside with your friends and family Absolutely. for the first time, and there's something kind of cool about that. So I, not to be flippant, but like. I grew up in the Metrodome era, and opening day was never really as a kid. It wasn't a big thing until they moved to Target Field. I remember yeah. one. I remember going to one. It was it was 1990ish or so. It was after Gaetti went to the Angels, and I want to say the Twins' home opener was at night. Yeah, which just is everything wrong. Right, that's like, weird. That's just wrong. But yeah. even if it was during the day, you wouldn't know you're inside the Metrodome. But it's still going during the day, or you left school, or you left something like a yeah. night game. The, my my most prominent. Opening day memory is probably just in general the opening of Target Field in 2010. Okay. Part of it too was just personally and uh, selfishly that was also the debut of 1500 ESPN at the time. Okay. And the debut of the Roycey and Mackey show, and we had Frank Viola. We had I want to say we had Kent Herback and all these amazing guests on the show. And then you go in and they do the flyover, and it's the brand new stadium and uh, outdoor baseball for the first time in 30 years in the Twin Cities, and then. Quite frankly, after that, most of the Twins openers from 2011 until now were forgettable. They were, it, it was, they didn't have an ace starter. It wasn't like, you know, at the Dome, you went and you watched Johan Santana a few times, or you went and watched, back in the day, you watched uh, Viola. Frank Viola, yeah. right? 
And uh, there was just a stretch there where they were ro- they were rolling out Carl Pavano and they were they were rolling out Vance Worley and just random dudes as number one starters. So there wasn't a whole lot to latch on to, um, unlike you, yeah. maybe, as a Cubs fan. Do you guys remember an opening day folk hero by the name of Tuffy Rhodes? Absolutely. Yes. We were in 1994 yep. with a fat 14-year-old Rami Makhlouf sitting in the last row, last seat of the upper deck down the left field line. Watch Tuffy Rhodes hit three home runs. Off of? On opening day, off of Dwight Gooden, of yes. all people. <laughs> It was, was an am- older Gooden at the it time. It was amazing. And I thought for sure, like, this is the dude. This is the next guy for the Chicago Cubs. He's going to be a superstar. He's going to be a home run king. I didn't know this until this morning. Kirk, uh, Tim Kirkjian was doing, like, a whole rundown of, of notable opening day moments and yeah. statistics. I didn't realize... Tuffy Rhodes, who after his major league career was over, he went and became the home run king of the Nippon Baseball yep. League in Japan. Yep. But finished with 11 career major league home runs. He had three that day <laughs> and finished with 11 career major league how, home runs. How magical is that when, when you are a youth seeing a it was player? Amazing. Seeing a player like that, though, having a phenomenal game. And, and in your head, it's like, this it's guy the, must be a superstar. It's now. the second coming. Like, yeah. a, as an old cynical guy now, if I saw that, I'm like, oh, this guy, you know, that's, it, right. yeah. it might be fine. But when you're young and you see that and it's ingrained in your brain, like, you can't comprehend that this guy might wash out, have 11, oh, no, that wasn't 11, a possibility. Home, 11 no. home runs and go to Japan. Tuffy Rhodes was on his way to, to, to the Hall of Fame as far as I was concerned yep. so after that game. A few great things about that. And I, I just coincidentally, last night on MLB Network, Tom Verducci did, a, it was like a five or ten minute special vignette just about the Tuffy Rhodes three home run opener in 1994 and a few things that stand out all three home runs were to opposite field he was he was batting left-handed in like I think it is a switch hitter uh, he's left-handed remember. he's batting left-handed against righty uh, Doc Gooden and all three home runs were to the same alley in left center field. The wind was blowing 25 miles out to left field okay. toward Waveland Avenue and he caught the jet stream three different times uh, he wound up out of the lineup a few weeks later because he was slumping and then demoted to the minor leagues in June of that year. He's the only hitter in baseball history, 150 years of Major League Baseball, to homer in his first three at-bats of a season. There's been three or four other guys. What's going on, man? There's been there's been a... Thank you. We hear, we hear you. Don't get us in trouble with the FCC. Um, there's been three or four other hitters who've hit three home runs on opening day. Was it Matt Davidson did it last year for the White Sox or somebody? Uh, it's happened a few other times, uh, but never the first three at bats. And he's in a the only season. National League player to ever no. do it, still to this day. No. So he goes to he goes to Japan. He winds up actually he uh, the year before the three home run opener. He hit thirty home I'm runs. I'm going to interrupt they're, you now. Oh, they're, they're taking Jose Barrios out of the game. Okay, so two uh, outs in two the eighth, runner eighth. on. He gave up a single, and they and they're going to take him out. He's getting a standing ovation, rightfully so. I'm going to question this on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> That's Paul Molitor. I'm going to start, start an I mean, account. We're on the radio. You could just question it here now into the microphone. He's writing an article right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm doing a column. <laughs> <laughs> Twins, Baldelli's decision-making questionable at best. Okay. Zolgad. But Twins. you were saying, Phil? So, Tuffy Road. See, see how polite I am? <laughs> yeah. You were saying, can I, sir? Can I finish my point, please? <laughs> so, so, Tuffy Rhodes, up until 
the year before he hit the three home runs on opening day, in which he hit 30 bombs the year before in the minor leagues, okay? And he was 24 years old. From age 18 through 23 in the minors, he had season's home run totals of 3, 1, 4, 3, 1, 2, and 3. And then he hit 30 in AAA in 1993 during an interesting era in baseball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then hit three on opening day as a Cub in 1994. What are you saying about childhood hero? And then went to Japan. <laughs> what, are, what are you saying? Wait, hold on. Went to Japan and hit 500 home runs. <laughs> do they test like, it? Tuffy Rhodes might have been. Do they test in Japan? Apparently not. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I know. Like, but... How does this dude, this dude okay. in, in 2001 in Japan, he hits 55 home runs with a 1,100 OPS. Can I, like, what? Can I point out that this segment started as Rami Maklov's remembrance of one of the great yeah. days of, an, in Wrigley Field. And by the way, the Cubs, a team he still loves, he was trying to tell a story about one of the greatest <laughs> days of his life in baseball. And Phil has eventually brought it around to the fact that Tuffy Rhodes was almost certainly juicing. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't enough no. that Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire in 98 was ruined for me. No, he had to take a little bit that was left of my yeah. childhood that I still cherished and held dear and thought was pure and, and wanted to tell right. the story to the to the audience yeah and you then, wanted to bring your story to the audience in the twin cities and phil drops it in the urinal it's amazing like that yeah. guy with his phone earlier today he, took, it, he, he, took, he took the phone in the bathroom right it's just amazing i'm right. just saying i mean tuffy Rhodes, the legend of tuffy Rhodes. anybody else you want to talk about before we can shoot them down uh opening day wise no not necessarily <laughs> no i think phil's killed enough of my dreams for today <laughs> Enough of my childhood down the drain, uh, so to speak. And coming up, more of why Rami was a fool to believe. I don't know what's going on with me today. Uh, so earlier, Danny Cunningham snapped a picture of me and Phil at Target Field, and I look lost. I look confused. I look confounded in that picture. I don't know what Phil was saying to me at the time. And just now, the Score North account tweeted out a picture of us here at Kieran's Irish Pub. And again, I have a look in my eyes like... I don't know where I am or where I'm supposed to go. I think I've, <laughs> I've just been overwhelmed by the emotion of opening day. I think that's all it is. You look bewildered. I do. In both pictures, I look completely <laughs> bewildered and a little bit scared. Phil looks like he's looking to the heavens, and you look like you're completely stoned. <laughs> This is the first time in a picture I look better than anybody. <laughs> well, maybe not Jonathan. <laughs> Uh, this, by the way, is a glimpse into the Twins' late-inning reliever process here, right? So they're up by two runs, two outs in the eighth inning with a runner on first base. Barrios comes out, and some of this is matchup-driven, but Taylor Rogers comes in as uh, against a right, right-handed hitter here. But Taylor Rogers, I think, is... People stop paying attention to the Twins halfway through the year because they just clearly <laughs> weren't a playoff team. And uh, if you did that, you probably didn't see Taylor Rogers you know, basically blow away the entire league between July and September. And they like him even against right-handed batters. So this is we don't really know because because Rocco Baldelli hasn't exactly said, all right, everyone, gather around. I'm going to roll out my late-inning reliever we strategy, no right? We right now. So we don't know right. who, who if there, is there an official closer? We don't really nope. know. No, there's not. So they're just going to kind of rotate through think, Blake Parker and Trevor have, May and correct. Taylor Rogers. I don't think there done. will be, period. Uh, Jason Stark today had a piece, I think it was Jason Stark at The Athletic, talking about some some significant numbers that we'll likely see this year. 
And one of the things he said, I think it was, I think the number he put it at. Dirty. That was a strikeout to end the eighth inning. One of the numbers that he put out there, he said he doesn't think there will be a, a quote-unquote closer in Major League Baseball this year who logs 40 saves. I think the, the classic closer might be a thing that is slowly but surely getting phased out. And this year, I think we'll see that threshold get lowered below 40 saves in terms of what a quality closer is, if that even matters anymore at this point. Do you guys think that's part of the reason why Craig Kimbrell on opening day is still a free agent? That, I think it's part of it. Sure. That he has spent his entire career yes. racking up saves, and in his mind he wants to continue to climb that list, right? And there's probably a lot of teams. The, the Twins are probably one of them. The Twins probably, because there was a report that the Twins offered $45 million over three years for Craig Kimbrell. And I wouldn't be shocked one bit if the Twins said, we'll pay you a bunch of money, we don't give a rip about saves. We, we, we want you in high-leverage situations, sometimes tie games, sometimes down by a run, sometimes in the seventh but inning. But you talked about this, was it four years ago? This, this trend hadn't completely started. And, and I don't even know if it had gone down the path at, at all, Phil. And at the time, you, you said it makes no sense to be like, you got to come in in the ninth and get three outs if your three most important outs fell in the seventh. And... This is four or five years back, and yeah. now it's clear that baseball people have taken that and said, absolutely. I also, I also think Kimbrell's probably um, ask is, I want the ninth, I want saves, and I'm going to come in and be your power guy. And, and relievers are extremely important, but I feel like it's almost a position in football now where things can be, where things can be rotated. And so if you have the philosophy of, I'm a running back, and I want the ball. I want the rock, and I'm going to get the rock, and I'm going to run for the. They're like, no, no, no. You're going to split some time with people, and, and you're still going to be important, but you aren't this be-all, end-all. But this definitely has gone down the path that you brought up four years ago, which is why does it have to be the ninth, and why, why do we put a premium on the word save when a save can actually come right. in the seventh? Well, two things. Number one, Craig Kimbrell is only 150 saves off of number three on the all-time list. Number one is Mariana Rivera, and he's 300 behind Rivera and also about 300 behind Trevor Hoffman. But if you're only 31 years old and you've been a closer your whole career, you probably are thinking about history and legacy. And if I remain a closer, I only, I only need to pitch another four or five years as a closer to get to, get to well, maybe five, whatever. Yeah, four or five years at 40 saves a pop, and all of a sudden you're third all time. That probably factors in. But in terms of just helping a team win, let's forget about saves for a second. If you're the best reliever on a team, what's the, what's the situation that you should be entering in? It's a tie game in the seventh, and the three, four, five hitters for the opposing right. team are coming up, and there's a runner on first base already, and the starter's got to come out, and, like, and you're you facing the Lindor, right? right? Or you're up by three against seven, eight, nine in the ninth inning against the Mariners. Like, almost anyone... Almost any major league pitcher can get out of that situation. I, I get a three-run cushion, and it's the seven, eight, nine guys. All right, but that's the closer mentality. I only pitch in the ninth with a lead, and otherwise I malfunction. Like, okay. But wouldn't well. you think? I mean, at this, dude, the baseball season is starting, and Craig Kimbrell isn't on a team. Like at this point, doesn't he just take the best offer that's out there and and drop all that other stuff? I would think so. Keuchel too, though. Keuchel too. He's not signed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we just started. Would you even trust those guys at this point? They didn't face any hitters in spring training. If I'm the Twins, after what I went through last spring, absolutely not. I'm not doing that again, and I'm not going to to have gone through 
all of spring training and now plop a guy in that clubhouse who I'm like, okay, he might be good, but I don't know for sure. Because you don't know. You, you do not know definitively what you're going to get from a guy that had no spring training. I think they're thinking, Kimbrell and Keiko and their, their representatives is, we'll just wait this thing out and some contender is going to lose a starter or is going to lose a, a good arm in their bullpen, and they're going to be desperate and need somebody, and yeah. that's when they come a-calling. But That's got to be what they're thinking at this point, right? But if, and if you're a team and you saw what happened to some of the other pitchers who sat out and needed a month and a half or two months or maybe the whole season to figure their stuff out because they didn't face anyone for spring training, well, if I'm the Twins and I'm scratching and clawing to try and get to 85 or 90 wins and I have to wait for Kimbrel to get the kinks out of his system for a month and a half, it's not even worth it. And I have to pay him $15 million? I was all in on this a month ago. But the layoff matters. I'm still in on it. I would still take Craig Kimbrell at this point if I'm the Minnesota Twins. I just think that changes things so much. If you had an arm like that to your bullpen, it changed. And look, sign him and wait until he's ready. You don't have to put him in a uniform and run him out there to the bullpen day one as soon as he puts his name to a contract. Sign him and put him... Put him down in the minors or down in Arizona and have him run through his own personal spring training. And whenever he's ready to go and and in in midseason form, yeah, call his name. I don't think you have to you have to throw him out there as soon as you as soon as you sign him just because you gave him you gave him a check. The thing that concerns me about that though that we saw from Lance Lynn last year is the mentality. Like, because he's almost certainly now going to get a one-year deal, probably. It's not going to be as much as he expected. I didn't think about any of this until I saw Lance Lynn, basically. And it wasn't that I don't think he tried to be a disruptive force, but he was upset by by what, what he felt was a slight to him. So I would need to have an absolute assurance that Kimbrell wants to be, be here and isn't just like, oh, screw it, I'll take your yeah. offer. Because that whole thing, it became abundantly clear very quickly, was not going to be good. Yeah, That's my only thought. Mackie and Judd with Rami from Kieran's Irish Pub, downtown Minneapolis, across from Target Field with the Twins in the quickest baseball game we've ever seen at Target Field. <laughs> in a grand. Uh, bottom of the eighth right now, and they're up 2 nothing on the Indians with a chance to go uh, 1-0 here on the season. If you missed it earlier, we had a special edition of Touch Em All a special uh, Mackie and Jeb with Rami touch them all and Dave St. Peter spent 20 minutes with us and uh, it was great we're gonna we're gonna come back with that next Judd Zolgad but first of course time to talk to my guy Mr. Money Talk Josh Arnold where you always get straight talk what you don't get from Josh is sugar-coated advice you can get that straight talk by calling Josh direct at two nine two five five six zero eight or by listening to Josh right now hello good afternoon Josh Arnold good afternoon Judd I'm glad you're enjoying enjoying your time at the game. But I have to tell you, I've got to thank you and Roycey and Rookie and Joey D for the amount of money that you spend at Lululemon. Oh, we all love that place. You know that, Josh. I know that. I know that you guys are big into the athleisure leisure wear. You wear it all the time to the studio. And your sales helped propel Lululemon to an all-time high today. Uh, they reported their earnings last last night after we had talked. Phenomenal earnings that uh, that really juiced juiced the stock and helped that move up. And, and Lululemon's success also brought up favorite favorite Nike. The continued move in athleisure wear. 
uh, or other athletic apparel has helped uh, help these two stocks lead in the retail area, as well as helping other apparel companies such as uh, VH Corporation uh, move up, as well as uh, uh, PVH uh, moving moving up. So an apparel area, given uh, the amount of money consumers are spending, is an area that you might want to consider, uh, even as these stocks have uh, performed very well. All right, Josh, thanks very much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You got it. Mackie and Jeb with Rami back here live at Kieran's Irish Pub, keeping an eye on this lightning-fast Twins game across the street. Twins up 2 nothing right now in the bottom of the eighth inning with Can two I say outs. something quick? Yeah. Terry Francona is why we're going to have pitchers have to face three guys. This man is ruining a nice, quick baseball game yep. by coming out to the mound every batter now. I agree. Rami? Do you how now da- understand why? How dare he strategize? How dare he try to put his team it's, in the best you know position what? they can possibly be you in know to what? win a game? This is not strategy. It's manager ADD. <laughs> he's bored? And he's I'm saying he, Terry Francona is bored. He's like, i got to go make a pitching change. It's just what I do. Manager ADD. I, I really that's don't think that's what it is. I think this is a measured decision that Terry Francona just made. I don't think it's ADD. I just think it's him trying to win a baseball game. Maybe, t- maybe Terry bet the over for time of game today. <laughs> Just saying. That's possible, too. I don't think there's any chance for the over at this point. I mean, the game is just over two hours old, and we're in the eighth inning already. Yeah, it's, uh, it's glorious, unless the Indians tie it and we go to extra innings for 17, but uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. All right. Earlier today, we had on a special edition of Touch Em All, Dave St. Peter, Twins president, joined us to uh, dive into a number of different topics. The 10th year of Target Field, the first time in 15 years Joe Maurer hasn't been a part of opening day and also he was very candid about the work the twins have to do to win back fan trust so this is our conversation a special Mackie and Judd with Rami edition of touch them all earlier today with twins president Dave St. Peter special Mackie Judd and Rami edition of touch them all here and so uh, I guess we could run that question by twins president Dave St. Peter how much pull do you have Can we get people <laughs> to have, have an off day of work for yeah, a day well, like today? you know I, I when you're dealing with Congress, I've got very little pull, but I, but I, but I agree, and I, I think at a minimum, let's focus on the state of Minnesota, sure. right, and maybe work with uh, with Governor Walls, and let's try to do what we can in Minnesota to declare this a state holiday. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, and, we'd and be at work either way. I'm looking 100%. out for the Score North listener <laughs> and the Twins fan, Dave. Yeah, look, opening day is a pretty cool day. I, you know, I, I, I always felt like that when I was a youth growing up, long before I ever worked for the team. You work for the team. This is my 30th opening day as a Twins employee, and I can tell you every single one of them is memorable. You know, mm-hmm. I remember them for just different things. Last year, I don't remember anything about the game. I think we won the game. I remember the Eagle landing on James Paxson. That's right. I remember the year at the Metronome, first pitch of the year, Brad Ratke threw home run over center field, I think, uh, for somebody for Tampa. But every year there's something memorable, and I think that's the way a lot of people feel about opening day. 30 years, huh? Yeah, John, just re- I'm dating myself. You are. Re- reflect on that. As, as a guy that I got to know as an intern in the North Stars PR department with, reflect on 30 years of, uh, of this franchise now and you being here for all of it. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's, it's flown by, right? But, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, I've been blessed. I get to, I've had a chance to experience a lot of different things, uh, multiple ballparks, obviously the opening of Target Field, teams that had great expectations coming in, teams that had very little expectations. 
Um, this year's team, I think, is, 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 is closer to those great expectations. Um, I, I think that there's only any reservation that anybody would have would be more around our pitching, which I get. I understand that why there are questions there. I think we believe we'll be better there than most people think, but we're going to have to demonstrate that. I think we all agree we should be pretty good offensively, and we should hit a lot of home runs. I think it'll be a fun team to watch. So uh, I, I, let's, I was going to save some of the current. Let's, let's dive into that for now because there's been a lot of major shifts the last two or three years with mostly the baseball side of the organization. How would you characterize where things are at now that we're into year three of Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, and everything they've been implementing? Well, I think that, you know, we're, you know, I, I don't think you're ever done building out a, a, a baseball operations group because we're always looking for that extra competitive advantage or that, you know, maybe additional personnel that we could add here or there. Uh, but I would say we're, we're, we're pretty deep into it in terms of the vision that was laid out to Jim Polad and others when Derek Falvey was hired. And um, we've seen it come to life around, I think you saw it this year in spades in spring training with the way our player development operation now um, is rolling under Jeremy's old direction. And the use of technology, the, the some of the additional people that have been added, resources. Um, I think we feel as though we're miles ahead of where we were in terms of our ability, hopefully over time, to develop major league talent. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen it, I think, a little bit with our draft and our draft approach the last couple of years. Rocco Baldelli coming in as our major league manager is yet another example of that. So um, I feel good about it. Um, you know, clearly I'm biased, but I think Derek Felvey and Thad Levine are the right guys for this franchise. And I think that um, clearly major league victories are, is, is the vision here. And I'm, 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 I have every expectation that in 2019 we're going to see enough progress at the major league level where more fans will start to understand that there's a path here towards being a perennial contender. And when the Twins were, from, from 2001 through 2010, the, the decade of division championships, I think if you were to boil down, what did, what, what did the Twins hang their hat on? And I, and I would have said, draft develop, draft yep. develop, internal draft develop, and there's always this core and this nucleus. And then the organization lost its way on the field for a while. What now do you think the organization hangs its hat on? Draft what, develop. Draft developed, and you know the other thing I think that, that really helped us in the, the the window where we won six division titles in nine years. Let's be honest, we made some good trades. We walked, you know, we, we walked away in a couple of cases where we needed to walk away, um, and and we weren't at that time burdened by by a lot of dead money uh, that was going to hold us back. Um, I think currently it's, it, this club has always got to be around draft and develop. I think though, if you ask Brian Cashman that question in New York. He'd say draft and develop. Yeah. And, and I think that's just the reality of baseball, particularly with the onus on young talent. And you can see how teams are now, what you saw even the last couple of weeks with uh, Jimenez with the White Sox, uh, um, getting paid what he did. I, I think there's a trend towards paying the younger players. And I, I think that that's all about trying to harness that young talent and keep it beyond your control years. Dave, how, how much has this game, and in the time that you've been here, as we discussed before, how much have you seen this thing change, too? Because I'd be hard-pressed to think that there's any sport that, that in the last 20 years has changed as much as baseball. The philosophies of how you get to success are probably the same or close, yep. but the points of how you get there have just shifted in, in a direction that I would guess 20 years ago people would have said, what are you even talking about right yeah, now? It's, it's just a different level of sophistication, Judd, around you know technology and the use of information and the backgrounds of, of various people that are now working both in our Major League Clubhouse and across our player development system. 
Um, at the end of the day, though, I will say this. There's still a human component, and it comes down to people. Uh, you still have to have people working together. You still have to have people in sync. Uh, I don't care how gifted you are as a major league player, you know, you have to deal with the mental side of it. And we try to put people in the best position to succeed. But I think that the, the human aspects of it and how you as an organization um, uh, understand that and, and try to support people in that and foster that type of a culture where they can be themselves. Uh, Byron Buxton would come to mind and just go out and play uh, without being maybe afraid of failing. Um, I mean, that's what we're ultimately trying to create because at the end of the day, every organization has that information, and we all are investing mightily in the systems. Um, I still think the human element is what we're all mostly trying to harness in terms of that competitive advantage. And how much are you guys relying on? You talked about draft and develop, but I think that there is an element that you guys are counting on of developing guys who you didn't necessarily draft and tapping into something, getting something out of guys. Martin Perez comes to mind, yeah. who other teams just couldn't lock through your biomechanics and analytics department and doing it in a way that's digestible for a Martin yeah. Perez and the guys on that roster. Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. I mean, I think Martin Perez is, an, is a good example, much like Annabel Sanchez was a year ago. I'll mm-hmm. never forget the day we signed Annabel Sanchez and the market just absolutely killed us. <laughs> Um, I wish we'd have had Annabelle Sanchez the whole season last year. Yeah. Guilty. He would have been. He would have been. He would have been a, a good Guilty, get, Frank. No, but, not but that's you, a, But that's a product of our 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 baseball ops group and specifically our pitching <laughs> analytics group seeing something, uh, seeing something in terms of spin rate, seeing something in terms of pitch selection, seeing something in terms of mechanics. So Martin Perez fits in that mold. Wes Johnson obviously comes with a background around velo. Um, I think we look at him, uh, Martin Perez is a guy that was hurt a lot, a lot last year, and Thad Levine has a relationship with him through his days in Texas. We were able to convince him, come to Minnesota, will you try some things with us in spring training? And I can tell you, we all like what we saw in Fort Myers. We think he's going to be a keeper. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you're just tuning in here, uh, you, can, you can find our full slate of Scornorth Twins shows in one easy-to-find podcast feed. Just search Scornorth Twins wherever you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, they're easy to find on scorenorth.com. We are live right now, a special Mackie and Jeb with Rami edition of Touch Em All. And uh, Twins President Dave St. Peter is here. And by the way, the Glenn Perkins show launched last week. It'll be weekly during the season starting next week. Glenn's, on, Glenn's in like the Bahamas or something this week during opening day. Him and Mauer went on, uh, went on vacation, right? <laughs> uh, speaking of Mauer, by the way, this is, what's my math? This is the first Twins opening day without Mauer in, 15 what, 15 years? years? Yeah. What's, yeah. what's, what's, what's that like? It's odd. Um, you know, I went into the clubhouse uh, uh, early yesterday morning, and I look around, and, and it doesn't take you long to notice, Joe Maurer's locker is now occupied by Nelson Cruz. Yeah. So um, that's strange, uh, because obviously he, Joe's was so central to target field. So, I, I, you know, I, I think um, what I will say is, um, you know, Joe left on his own terms, and that day last you know, September, October was pretty magical. Anybody was in the ballpark that day. Uh, I think it was going to be hard for him to come back from that. And, and I, I know this. He's absolutely thrilled to be a dad. Uh, he, I think he'd had enough. He's very much excited for this jersey retirement ceremony on June the 15th. And, um, you know, organizationally, we were blessed to have Joe Maurer. I, I'm hopeful over time he'll be more appreciated in this market. Not to suggest he isn't, but there's a segment of our fan base that always wanted more out of Joe, and I get that. But at some point, you got to appreciate what we had. Mm-hmm. I think he's a Hall of Fame player and one of the all-time greats. Mm-hmm. So uh, Joe is going to have the Jersey retirement in June. Are we getting a statue as well at some point? <laughs> 
maybe someday. You know, that's not in the short-term plan, but uh, I would expect uh, that that could be in Joe's future at some point. Now, is Paul is Paul back now officially, Dave, no. or is is he still considering his options? Here yeah, to come you know, back? Paul's taking time. You know, we've you know, you got people got to remember. You know, Paul Molitor and I go back to the early '90s in terms of our relationship, and then he came to play for the Twins in '96. So. You know, we were close friends before he ever came to manage the Twins. So we stay in constant touch. Um, and, and Paul's taking time now, I know, to be a, to be a dad. And, and that's, his, that's really his sole focus. He knows we have interest in uh, a conversation with him about to the extent he wants to stay in baseball, to the extent he has interest in coming to work for the Twins. He knows that there's a conversation to be had. And I think he appreciates that. I know he appreciates it. But, it, but he's also told us it's just not the right time, and we respect that. What What is it about the Twins that seems to be different being new here? You mentioned you, this is your 30th opening day as an employee of the Twins. And I'm about to, I'm, what I'm about to say, I say it in the best way, Dave. It's odd that a manager who was fired six months ago yeah. would be in camp visiting with the guys who fired him and the guy who replaced him and doing it with the cheery disposition and saying there are no hard feelings and nothing but good feelings about the Minnesota Twins, and I'd love to be back in the fold at some point, that's not normal. There's some yeah. there's something different about an organization. No, I, like I get it. You know, I, I would say two things to that. I think that's just been the reality, and I'll probably take accountability for that. I've been central to uh, advocating for Ron Gardenhire when he stepped away, and advocating for Paul and um, you know Terry Ryan, uh, because I know what these people have meant to our franchise, and I also know what they mean to the people that work within the walls of Target Field. Um, they mean a great deal. So I think those guys all could contribute, and they all did contribute in different ways. If Paul Molitor is willing to spend time at Cedar Rapids uh, working with our players around base running, why, we'd be crazy not to tap into Paul right. Molitor to do that. And it's a credit to Rocco Baldelli for not, you know, not having anything to say other than that would be a good idea as well. But uh, we're unique. I think it's probably our, uh, you know, it's, it, to some extent our culture, but I also would say that that culture has been rocked uh, quite a bit over the last five years in terms of you just looked at the amount of change that's happened in our organization. I'm one of the mainstays. I'm one of the guys, <laughs> few guys that's been around that long, and, uh, uh, you know, eventually I can tell you when I leave, they won't invite me back. <laughs> no statue for you? You don't no. think so? That's not coming, Judd. I'll You're be burning sitting, all the bridges on your way out? I'll be back with you looking to looking to watch some hockey and drink some craft Amen, brother. All right. Just call me up. Uh, by the way, uh, another item in the Man How Time Flies bucket, this is – this is year 10 of Target Field already, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I'll never Jeez. forget, you know, we were, we were making the move to, to, to the predecessor of Score North, 1500, and right when you guys had gone with ESPN, right, and, 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 and uh, Target Field was, was obviously a, um, you know, a big part of that. But, yeah, the ballpark, the ballpark changed a lot of things for us uh, in terms of the organization. I think it finally allowed us to present the game the way it's supposed to be presented. I'm proud of the Target Field experience. I think it holds its own across pro sports, not just Major League Baseball. Uh, we're always trying to make it better. The only thing that's disappointing is our team has not consistently performed at the level that we need to perform. We get it. We understand it. We're doing everything we can to change it. I look forward to the day when we, when we have the type of team that's a perennial contender with that experience because I think the electricity you feel here today is what we should be able to feel over the course of 81 games. What's the best change in, in the time now since the ballpark opened, and you guys have certainly poured in a lot of cash to that ballpark, Dave. What, in your opinion, is the best tweak and or change that's been made in that uh, nine-year, now going on 10 period? 
You know, they're you know, it, bat and barrel's pretty cool. I think that yeah, considering John, now it's open to all cool, fans. John, you hear that? Um, I can <laughs> tell you, going back to from 2010 to 20, you know, 13. You know, when we opened the ballpark, we didn't have a intermodal transit hub, um, and and it was a security issue for people getting on public transportation. Yeah. I, you know, that's not quite as a sexy answer, but Target Field Station was a huge add to the Target Field experience. I love Barrio and left field. I got to um, agree on that I one. I love yeah. Catch in center field. I love them all. They're kind of like picking your kids, right? Yeah. The next big thing for us will be scoreboard. That's coming the next couple of years, and we've already started a process to look at what we can do. Do we make it bigger? Uh, what do we do in right field with the tower? Um, you know, the, the, the scoreboard world is, is, is something we're living in right now in terms of a new board in Target Field over the next couple of years. Well, I haven't had a chance to experience Target Field game day yet, but I did go to Target Field food day the other day. As a, yeah, how'd as, it go as, for you? I, you? You guys almost killed me, Dave. Yeah. I, I sampled 15 <laughs> different items and ate every bite of almost every item that they gave me. Yeah, well, you know, we appreciate you coming out. It was amazing. You know, again, I, I mean, said it. I said it. You know, we lived in the Metrodome for 28 years, and... I think we probably had the worst food in Major hey, League Baseball. Don't sleep on those dome dogs, though. Yeah, you're right. The <laughs> dome dog and our friends, at, and left our, friends at, our friends at Hormel were really central to that, and I give them credit. That was a great, great product. However, when we made the move here, it was a conscious decision. How do we reinvent the food and beverage experience in a ballpark? And I th- it's, been, it's been rewarding to see other venues now follow suit. Yeah, I know every venue here has, has, been elevated, has really raised their game, and I still think ours is the best, but I'm biased. How, how competitive now, too, Dave? I mean, you've got, as, as you, you recall, in the 90s, you couldn't get a stadium built in this town if you begged, <laughs> borrowed, steal, stole, but I mean, now you've got soccer, new stadium, yeah. the Saints, new boutique yeah. ballpark, uh, the Wild, uh, Wolves, the Vikings, how competitive has has this market become just for that corporate dollar? Because none of this is cheap, yep. and there's a lot of nice places now to go to. It's insanely competitive, Judd, particularly around you know, your corporate hospitality, corporate partnerships, the number of suites. You know, I think that those are the areas where it's most competitive. And I, and I will tell you this. I've always said that, you know, when a market like this, there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. So... Um, I think the challenge for us is when we're not consistently uh, good on the field, guess what? You know, it, it impacts our revenues. And there's no doubt that our struggles in Target Field have put us in a different spot today than we thought we would be in the 10th season in the ballpark. Um, we're, we're, in my mind, it accrues to the advantages to fans because I think in this market it puts the onus on every owner and every club president to do everything they can to drive the great fan experience and continue to make their ballpark, their facility, their stadium, their arena beautiful, uh, and also to put a good team on the field. Because if you don't, there's enough, enough options in this market. Fans are going to go elsewhere. We're, we're dealing with that right now, trying to regain credibility with the overall fan base, the casual fans. And, and it's going to take us playing good baseball here over the course of the 2019 season yeah, that's to the, do that. That's, that's one of the things that we've talked about throughout the last few weeks, too, on our show is that you can sit here. The, the, the organization's kind of in a spot where, hey, Alex Kirloff is probably going to be amazing, and Royce Lewis, and but fans are in this, well, I've been burned enough over the past however many years. I'll wait to buy in until I see it, yeah. and that's kind of the reality. You know what? And I think it's fair, Phil. We've got to earn our way back, and I, you know, I, you know, I, we get it. We're realistic about it. Our attendance coming into this year. Um, you know, we're going to, you know, Saturday's crowd is not going to be what we would like it to be. I'll tell you that right now. But I also get it. And, again, the onus is on us. And when Rocco Baldelli took this job, he took this job knowing that 
he was going to take the helm of a team that had a bright future, but but nothing was guaranteed. And we got to earn our way every day. And I, I do believe this club will be in playing meaningful games late into the season, hopefully into September. And if that happens, I think our attendance will move in the right direction in the near term. Yeah, Dave St. Peter, Twins president. We didn't even we didn't even have time for the debate about retractable roofs, Rami. No, sorry. I didn't bring it up. Maybe in next t- time. I didn't bring it up intentionally. Because <laughs> there's, you know, there's no debate. It's opening day. Let's you'll, up. You'll, you'll save that for next year's opening day if it's 25 <laughs> yeah. degrees and snow. I know that. Enjoy the day, guys. Thank, Thank you, Dave. Thanks a lot, Dave. Appreciate it. All right, that was earlier today on a, a special Mackie and Jeb with Rami edition of Touch 'Em All. And, and while we were playing that back for the Mackie and Jeb with Rami audience, the Twins polished off a 2 nothing win over the Indians on opening day. Dominant performances by Jose Barrios, who set the Twins' opening day record with nine strikeouts. And then Taylor Rogers came in looking like Trevor Nasty. Hoffman, just throwing filth. Nasty. Sliders that broke three feet and a fastball pinpoint. That is about as impressive of a win over a Corey Kluber-pitched Indians team as you're going to make up in your head. Barrios, 10 strikeouts. 9 and 90 and 10. That was a great And uh, we know that because Judd has kept score. Do you do this, this every game? entire game. That you're not attending, or is this just an opening day <laughs> no, thing? No, opening day okay. or a playoff game. All right. But it's I was going to go though. back across the street if because I thought it would be in, like, the seventh right now. Right. Seriously. And then, but this was great. I, I think this game is fantastic. If you can, listen. You just like how fast it was. No, but, no, but it was. I do. But it was fun. But it was a fun, fast game. Right. It was fun, and yeah. the pitching was fantastic. And Kluber, un- until he got hit a little bit, was great. And Boreos, when's the last time in this town that the Minnesota Twins have had a starter who you would pay to see? Because this kid's it. Right. Santana. I would have paid to watch Jason Marquis a couple times just because it's hilarious. But, oh, yeah. oh, you did pay. <laughs> you paid a large price covering those yeah. teams. <laughs> so Twins win. They're 1-0. And as Derek Wetmore tweeted, the Twins are 1-0, the Indians are 0-1, and the Indians already burned Kluber. It's a good point. So Spanish my, twins. So a really my, good point. Yeah. So my Solid question, point. how did the White Sox do? Because the White Sox are coming. I can oh, are we scoreboard it. watching I just, already? I can feel it in my bones. Up my MLB uh, it is currently 0-0 against okay. the Royals there. Another great game. So you're going to gain a game on either the Royals or the White Sox today. This is a big day for the Twins. <laughs> this is like the wild. You know, yesterday. Games in hand. You got a point or two. If you Googled Minnesota Twins yesterday, it's at first place, Minnesota Twins. Yeah, but Detroit's up there fighting them right now. They got a two. They got a 2 nothing win there. Oh, Detroit won already. Yeah. So Guardy is hanging tough yep. in the central. All right. It's going to be a race all season long. All right. So uh, mm-hmm. one more segment live here from Kieran's Irish Pub. Thanks, Jonathan. Yep. The all Anytime. new Score North. And Score North has been hanging out here since noon. The, like, the only thing is that I don't think they have TCL TVs. It is Mackie and Judd with Rami live from Kieran's Irish Pub out here uh, right across the street from Target Field where the Twins just wrapped up an opening day win, two nothing over the Indians on seven plus innings of ten strikeout shutout baseball from Jose Barrios. Yes, and then just lights out from Taylor Rogers to get the final four. Man, that's how you want to win an opening day game against the the reigning AL Central champions. That's how you want to get that done. Light a cigarette after that one if you're a Twins fan. That's like that's <laughs> the perfect way to open the season. Hey, what was the stat? The uh, Dodgers had. How many home runs today? Do we say eight. they had eight home runs today? <laughs> yes. I believe that's the case. That is uh, absolutely Ooh. ridiculous. Filthy. Hmm. 
Let's see here. So are you the, just going through random the Dodgers, sports? Or what I've been doing. What are you doing? No, no. I was looking at the fact that they had eight home runs, which, which is incredible. Rami's, oh, 12-2 in the uh, top of the ninth. The Dodgers lead the Diamondbacks. Rami's Cubs are up 12-2 on that hated rival. This is what I love. Opening day when it means something. When the Cubs play the Rangers, that screams <laughs> baseball to me. Those Texas Rangers and those Chicago Cubs, that is the rivalry yeah. I grew up watching on GM. But, you know, like Twins-Indians, is a, is a that's the rivalry in the division, so they got it no, right I, here, but I, no, some I'm of these other ones one. are weird. Uh, I, I just pulled up a list of Twins opening day starters from the last 10 or 15 years. Man, I mean, this what happened today... Is so far removed from what we're used to in the post Johan Santana era. So Johan only made two opening day starts for the Twins, 06 and 07, because Brad Radke made him in 0405, and Johan got traded before the 08 season. So we only really had peak Johan for about five years here, and he's, for my money, he's the greatest pitcher in Twins history, but it was in a small chunk of time. After that, the 2008 opening day starter for the Twins was Levon Hernandez. <laughs> I was at that game. Good God. <laughs> He's my age. Francisco Liriano the next year. That made some sense. Scott Baker in 2010, opening day starter. Back to back Carl Pavano, opening day starts. Vance Worley. Back to back Carl Pavano? They didn't see enough the first time around? Actually, you know what? He wasn't that bad here. He had a, he had a good year or two with the Twins. But like he wasn't dominating opening day starter guy. He was, right. he was a number four no, starter. No, but you just said Vance Worley. Now that yeah. was horse bleep. It gets worse. Ricky Nolasco was the opening day starter after Oof. Vance Worley. They were the, the same. The year after. They were basically the same guy. And then Phil Hughes made the opening day start in 2015 for the Twins. Irvin Santana back-to-back in 16-17. Respectable. He was, he's a good professional sure. pitcher. Yeah. And last year it was Jake Odorizzi who made the opening day start. Well, because oh, Bur- Burrios was, was going to pitch against Cleveland in Puerto Rico. So at least that one made more sense why. Okay, that's right. But, but, my God, Vance Worley and Ricky Nolasco, Rami, you are so fortunate you weren't here to see that. See, but I show up and the winning starts on opening day. I, 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 bring, I bring that magic with me wherever I go. You're welcome, guys. You're welcome, Twins fans. It's my pleasure. It's going to be a fun season. <laughs> oh, all right. I, uh, I, hope you've, I hope you've brought the stroke of good luck for the Twins because they're overdue for... A nice run. They're winning this division. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> no, I'm with Rami. Division. I'm with Rami. Hey, that's... You know what? I'm just going to wait and see. We're back tomorrow. I'm a patient man. With Write That Down predictions. If anyone wants to double down on the Twins after that's their right. first win today, you can find us on demand anywhere you download podcasts. You're Apple, Spotify. Mackie and Joe with Rami inside of Packed Kieran's. Thank you to Kieran's for hosting us all day long. This was awesome. Great vibe, energy, and the Twins are going undefeated. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Zolgad, um, I'll talk to you later.